Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's bring my friend Clark Kellogg again. He joins us now here on The Fan. Good morning to you, Clark. Hey, good morning, Dan. How are you? All good, my friend. And um, you just heard my diatribe there a little bit, Clark. I mean, you know, I heard it all last week on Zion Williamson. And everybody kept saying, should he play? He's already done enough to be the number one overall selection in the NBA draft. And I'm like, wait a minute here. Why does this conversation always fall at the heels of the college player and not at the heels of the coach, who's a more experienced guy, who's dealt with what's in the best interest of some of these kids? I've not heard anything from Coach K yet. I mean, am I wrong when I say that, Clark, that isn't this more from Coach K on what's in the best interest of the kid, and shouldn't he be a part of this? Or maybe he is behind the scenes, and maybe I'm just spouting off here, but why does it always fall at the heels of the kid? Well, I would respectfully disagree with you in regards to saying that it's on Coach K. I think it's a collaborative effort, and obviously Zion Williamson is of age, and with the consultation of his family, what he has in his heart to do, obviously the injury and the recovery from the injury is going to be the real driver. If he gets healthy and he wants to play, I think he should play. Um, And that's in consultation, obviously, with his own soul-searching, and heart's desires with um, consideration from his family and those he considers important in influencing this kind of a decision. And um, I would think that perhaps Coach K would be involved, but again, that's more of a Zion Williams call, Williamson call, than um, anybody else's. Um, And again, I think he'll lean on those that he trusts and is closest to, and Coach K and the coaching staff might be part of that, but the bottom line is his health and his desire to play. Whether he should or shouldn't is his personal call. I mean, I would love to see him play if he's healthy enough to do so, and that's what his heart's desire is. I I would just hate to see a kid succumb to external pressure and opinion if, in fact, it's in his heart to play. Can Duke so win- we'll, see how it plays. we'll see how it plays out. Can Duke win the national championship without him? Um, yes, they could. I think they would still be one of the top six or seven teams. I think I've got currently, I think there are five teams that look most equipped to win it. And then there's probably another six to 10. Um, and Duke would be in that top five groups clearly with Zion Williamson. And I still think they would be in the top 10 without him. My friend Clark Kellogg, CBS Sports here on The Fan. We'll get to the Aztecs here in a second, but we got a chance to see Gonzaga, obviously, when they take on the Toreros here, and they look like a formidable backcourt, and they look like they have a lot of depth. They've taken out Duke, actually, earlier in the year. How far can they go, Clark? They're in that group of five that I would consider favorites to win it. Gonzaga, Duke, Kentucky, Virginia, um, North Carolina. Right beneath that, I would probably have Michigan State in the mix. Michigan did not look very good yesterday, but they're still capable. Nevada, despite the loss to the Aztecs, still you think about teams, and we often freeze-frame teams based on what we've most recently seen. 
you have to think about who they can be in the tournament setting in the one-and-done crucible of the tournament. And Nevada is still one of those teams that can be problematic. Five fifth-year seniors, um, interchangeable parts, experience a nice run last season. And they've got the capability, because of how good they are, to get to Minneapolis. Let me ask you about a guy taking over for a program from a legendary coach like Steve Fisher and Brian Dutcher. And again, I'm going to make a comparison that I covered uh, the UNLV running Rebels when Tarkanian left and they gave the team briefly to Tim Gergerich and then Raleigh Massimino came in and it was never really the same. And some programs, Clark, get identified by the coach. I mean, you could take a look at John Calipari at UMass, at Memphis. Memphis has had a pretty good basketball heritage. I mean, they've made it to Final Fours before. So, again, not so much there, but you can get get my drift a bit here. I mean, mm-hmm. do, do, and he was there at – at Michigan, recruiting with him. What What's mm-hmm. the difference? Is he learning how to be a head coach, in your opinion, Brian Dutcher, right now when he takes over the baton here from Steve Fisher? Is that why we're going through maybe a little wobbling right now with the Aztec program? Well, I think transition creates um, challenges, but I think he's in really good stead. I mean, you look at the roster and the talent on the San, San Diego State team. I mean, they've got the two senior guards, but – They've got some nice young pieces. I don't know what McDaniels will do, but he clearly is a pro prospect. But I, I, I wouldn't have any issue with where San Diego State is a couple of years after Steve Fisher um, left. Brian Dutcher, to me, and I haven't watched a ton of San Diego State, but I've seen enough to think that they're not going to miss much of a beat. And they're primed, I think, to be in the – if they continue this winning streak um, – to be primed to be in consideration for an at-large spot, depending on what else happens across the country. You can't put teams in isolation because they're compared to other teams. But if they continue to play the way they did against Nevada and continue to pile up wins here in the last part of the season, um, I would think they'd have a chance to be in a pretty strong conversation for um, an at-large bid if they could make a deep tournament run, conference tournament run. Let's go into the top 25 here. Houston and Tennessee, are they dark horse teams that get to a Final Four? Clearly. Again, teams go through things, Dan. You've been around this for a long time. It's not a straight line forward. Mm. You have bumps for whatever reason that they might show up. Injuries, uh, the, the length of the season, fatigue, dynamics off the court that we might not be privy to as broadcasters and fans. All of that happens. It's a 30-plus game season. It's hard. It's difficult. And there are bumps in the road, however they show up. So you have to recognize that teams are going to do that. Um, So Tennessee has hit a bit of a bump here. Does that take away who they are? No, but it does expose you to some things that might be problematic. Size and athleticism in the last couple of meetings against LSU and Kentucky have been an issue. They've not been quite as crisp offensively. And so that's something they can work through. Houston continues to play at a pretty consistent level at both ends. So I would consider both of them um, dark horses. And we also know, Dan, once the bracket comes out, matchups are oftentimes more influential than seed number in terms of your options Mm. and opportunities to advance. And sometimes the way the bracket unfolds, after Selection Sunday is totally different than what you expect. I mean, 
Loyola found comfortable matchups last year and won a number of games on last possession plays. Houston is one bucket away from being in the Sweet 16. That's how fine the line is in the tournament. That's part of what makes it so, so exciting because it's hard to predict and it stirs up an awful lot of conversation and debate, which is um, fun for us and fun for the game. No doubt about it here. Two last questions for our friend Clark Kellogg, CBS Sports, as we're getting closer to conference tournaments and also the NC2A Selection Sunday, which will set up the March Madness, no question. Do you think, too, also, Clark, that when you got a team like Virginia who had what they had happen to them a year ago, tell me, you know what, I, I, I've had that happen to us before. We got beat in a national championship game, and then the following year we won the national championship because we, uh-huh. we said we never wanted to have that happen again. That Virginia team looks like they're a different team than they were a year ago, and I'm talking about sense of urgency stuff. Am I right when I say that? Yeah, you are. You're accurate there, but they also will have DeAndre Hunter, hopefully, because he got hurt before the tournament started a year ago. He's gotten better. The other guys have improved. But there's something to that. I mean, we just had it happen a couple of years ago. Carolina loses on a um, buzzer-beating shot from Jenkins against Villanova in the championship game, and then they come back with primarily the same group and added a bit of focus, stayed healthy, and found a way to get it done. So clearly that can drive you, but that's not going to carry you. You've got to still perform, but there's something, there's certainly something about having that um, disappointment be part of what fuels you towards maybe um, a better performance the following year. I want to ask you about the way Calipari runs Kentucky finally here. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the one and dunners, the one and dunners, you know, I, I've, I've talked to numerous guys in that program and, you know, I talked to Goose Givens about it. A lot of the blue bloods there, man. I mean, the one-and-done guy, one-and-done guy, you're always re- revamping. You're always retooling. You're never going to get the consistency. You're never going to have experience in your backcourt. He wins a lot of games. He's got a lot of great talent. Do you think that system, and I know he won the national championship with Anthony Davis, but do you think that's mm-hmm. the way to go when it comes to the one-and-done kid when, it, when you're trying to build a program? Hey. There are a lot of different ways to do it, Dan. There's 350-plus teams playing Division One basketball. There's only one Kentucky, and I would venture to say that there are only a couple of places that could do it. Actually, Kentucky may be the only place that could do it the way that John and his staff have chosen to do it. It serves the kids well. From every indication, they are committed academically while they're there. And they have an opportunity to play at the highest level, compete at the highest level, and go on and fulfill their dreams. Um, I have no issue with that. I really don't. There are a lot of different ways to go about it. It's probably the hardest thing a coach has to do in college basketball when you go that route. I think John would tell you that. But he's uniquely qualified and gifted and has shown that he can do it. It takes a toll. It's not ideal. It's not for everybody. But it works for Kentucky, and I don't think championships are the only measure of success. That's one way to count the scoreboard, clearly, but it's not the only way how those guys develop, how they are able to realize their dreams upon leaving there. That's a big part of success, too. So, again, Kentucky's unique. They've got a unique approach with a very, very good coach and staff, and uh, 
they are one of the teams that will be a favorite to win it all because they're playing that good. You'll have to excuse me, Clark. I, I left college early, too. I mean, I don't know. I just maybe I had to meet my media hat on for a moment. And I just realized I left as a junior when I was at UM. So, hey, I mean, who, the, who am I? I, I? I've got to remember not to act like a media guy here. I'm sorry. No, no, about no. That's why, hey, hey it's, fun, it's fun debate and it's um, fun conversation. But again, just perspective and looking at it in three. 360 degrees and again there are multiple ways to do it there's not just one way there's ways that are preferable to certain people but there are plenty of ways that you can do well by your student athletes there and well by your program and in Kentucky's case they've got a unique posture and a unique platform in the one and done era and uh, again I venture to say there aren't too many other places that would be able to do it um, for a lot of reasons that John Calipari has been able to do it. Absolutely. All he has to say is, hey, I'll make you a millionaire in about five years. <laughs> hey, and, and you, think about the, you think about the kids he's recruiting. I mean, yeah. many of those kids are potential pros. They oh, yeah. want to have a chance to get to their dream as soon as possible, and he puts it right out there in front. It's demanding, and it's not as easy as people think. I mean, that's challenging. You're under the spotlight. You're extremely scrutinized there. You still have school you've got to take. I mean, it's not easy. I'm not, again, trying to defend it one way or another, just trying to present it for what it is in total and not just one-sided. Absolutely. Clark, thank you so much for always taking time for me like you always do. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, appreciate it, Ben. Talk to you soon. You got it. CBS is Clark Kellogg. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.